All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. In the past, I've touched on the topic of high performers, being a high performer and working in that environment. And today, I really wanted to focus more on it. And I've invited Terry Kirk to join us on the show to discuss high performers and just to really take a bit of a deep dive into the mind of a high performer. Now, Terry is a business asset valuer, auctioneer, football head coach, and he's seen this from all different angles. He's coached football teams um, in in different states, in, in different types of teams, but also in his business, which has been running for the last 30 years, Global Business Auctioneers and Valuers, he specializes in dealing with insolvency matters which can get very, very deep. And he's seen different types of businesses. He's worked in, with different types of businesses on many different levels, as well as football players. So it's I'm so excited for this chat. Terry, thank you so much for joining us. Michael, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, when I sit back and reflect on that introduction, it's... Um yeah, it's 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 quite true. <laughs> Am I right in saying that you've seen all the different, like you've seen so many different angles and you've seen so many different types of high performers? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I think I started, you know, in the in the auction and valuation industry in 1986, just before the you know Australia's largest recession hit in 1987, and I worked in an insolvency based auction room, and very very quickly, you know, between sort of 16 to 20 years of age, um, you know, we saw a lot of matters, the Scases of the world, the Alan Bonds of the world, the Jeffrey Edelsons of the world. There's a lot, a lot of high-profile matters that that the firm that I worked for was involved in and and I got to see a lot of that. Plus then, you know, a lot of well-known people going through bankruptcy and, and large companies being shut down. So really when I think back on my career, uh, the, the last 35 or 37 years is – has been an education that you know you could never ever ever you know probably learn at university. I think it, it would be an education, and it, and it would also be like a um, like I mean again when when you're dealing with so many different types of people, yep. you also get a good grasp of who's doing it well, who's not, or, or maybe those that do it well, why they do it so well. Um, but for those that haven't really, I mean, the word high performer does get thrown around a lot, and there are many different types of definitions, but. I guess if you had to try to define or try to create a picture of what a high performer is, whether it's a business person or a or a sports person, how would you, how would you, how would you go about that? Well, I think the the biggest thing about the high performer is is that it's when you get to the top, that's probably where the difficulties start, and it's how long you can stay at the top. Um, you know, you go to the tennis world, and you know, and you look at the stars of tennis, the Pete Sampras's of the world, and you know, these sorts of guys, they, they, they stayed at the top for so, so long. And in business, you know, I've seen many, many people um, get to the top uh, and, you know, I think I would look at it and say that those people that have remained entrepreneurial and stayed at the top for 20 or 30, 40, 50 years, you know, are, are certainly uh, 
at another level um, and the people that are working towards that you know have a lot of uh, a lot of challenges to face moving forward because it never stays the same it's it's you know we could all say that um, you know we win a football grand final one year and and um, and you know we become professionals in those careers and you might be only a professional there for two years or five years or eight years but to stay at a top level in business or in sport for 10 20 30 years that that that's a big difference for me that's a good point because if you think about it you know if you look at history if you look at almost any industry even like a singer for example yep. you know it takes a, it's very easy to, for someone to bring out one great hit but for someone to do it over a long period of time like michael jackson for example mm. it it takes a particular skill um in the same with sports for a sports team to um, or for a player to have a good season is great, but to, to do it over a long period of time, th- that's a big deal. And I think that's what puts people on the map. And that's what, and that's, I think that's what people like us look up to. Like as a, even me as a financial advisor, you know, I look up to other advisors that have been doing it for a really long time that have um, achieved goals and have helped a lot of people and have, have done certain things. And I'm assuming you're the same that, you know, and if you look at, I guess, any hero that a person has, it's someone that has done it over a long period of time. Yeah, it's true because as I said, when you when you sort of look at things, it's, um, you know, we all have to deal in the moment and the moment is a big thing. I look back on the past and, you know, I've just moved house recently and, you know, pulling things out that if social media was around 10, 15, 20 years ago, 30 years ago with my career, you know, I'd be over social media every five seconds because I had business going at 10 million miles an hour. I had a sporting career going at 10 million miles an hour. I had a speaking circuit career going at 10 million miles an hour and social media wasn't around then. It was how you were in the newspaper or how you were on the radio. Um, you know, and you look at today, today social media lasts, you know, really for a long, long time. And and I think that um, everyone now we deal in the moment and, and, and the moment can change tomorrow. So many things can pop up at you now and there's so many challenges as technology changes um you know the the, the the changes that are around today certainly weren't around 20 30 years ago is how quick they can go so i think now um you know when we plan our five-year plan i remember when i started in business when i was 23 it was always planning five years so it was always okay where i want to head to be in five years i think today you actually have to do that in two-year blocks now. I don't make any decisions now based on anything unless it's a, a two-year block. I, don't, I certainly don't look forward to where where I think things are going to be in five years, and I think that's a big difference. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one because uh, I, I like that concept, to be honest, because it's – and I'd like to know if you can just probably expand a little bit on that as well. Mm-hmm. Why do you only look at like a two-year block, for example, or five years? Yeah. Well, the two-year block, um, you know, if, you, if you're coming down, if you're in business – and if you sit in front of a real estate agent and you're about to sign a five-year lease and you're going to put a five-year guarantee to that lease, so that means personally you're going to sign a, you know, have to sign a personal guarantee, then then they're going to want a bond component, uh, which is a fair bit of cash you're going to have to put up. And that ties you in. And the, the business world now is so fast-paced. Um, staff requirements now change every five seconds. It's, 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 you know, you've got so many, uh, risk factors now to deal with that are unknown to you coming down the track. And the problem is, is that once you're locked into that five year plan of, say, having leases or, you know, major commitments that affect you personally, um, if you can't change and if you can't divert during that period, 
that can financially harm you greatly. And I've learned in the football world that I can sign a two-year contract or a three- or five-year contract with a club, but that doesn't mean that the board uh, or a committee is not going to change in that time and then they change and, again, that's out of your control. So, you know, and, and you can lose three or four or five games in football as a head coach and be fired. I learned as a player at 16, I, I thought I was off overseas to play and and I was going to, you know, um, make make a career out of playing football. And in my first senior game, I damaged my right knee and missed 15, 18 months, then a back and then another knee. And, you know, next thing my professional sporting career was gone at a drop of a hat. So I think that, um, you know, today you just have to be so, so diligent on what your plans are. And, and it's always been the rule of thumb that your five-year plan is the plan. I think you have the five-year plan, but realistically – you need to be, make sure you can set yourself up that you can move left or right or you can go backwards or you can expand very quickly. Um, and those two-year periods are quite vital for me because in my career, I've been lucky. I've had I've moved in a two-year period. I've never signed any longer than a two-year lease. And there's been at least three or three times in my career where I've made big moves during that period that, that, yes, I've lost some money. But I'll tell you what, if I had have been – in a, in a position of signing a five-year lease, my business would have been broke three or four times. And to be honest with you, that's what happened to my parents' business. They were forced in 1991 to sign a five-year lease, an extension, when they came off a three-year lease. And um, and unfortunately, they had to make changes in 1993 and they couldn't get out of the lease. And they lost their house and they lost their business. And, and um, you know, that, that period was very, very distressing. And I had to work through all of that as well. So, you know, that's that's the learning lessons I've had. Yeah, I guess. So, so really you're highlighting the importance of having options to be adaptable as circumstances change, really. Because- yeah, yeah, you have to be able to move. And it's the same as, you know, having professional people like yourself, you know, advising, um, you know, your clients need to make sure they're bouncing off people because, you know, you, 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 there's so much going on. You have your headspace of – you got home life and you got business life and then you got staff and you've got you know there's so much going on but if you don't keep your finger on the pulse as of to you know what you're actually doing within your business um, and having the right people around you to make sure that those areas you're very keyed up and clued up on uh, if you don't have those people then a lot of people I see in distress are the ones who try and carry all the burden themselves and 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 that becomes a you know a problem for you as well and as far as high quality, you know, high performers are concerned, what qualities would you say, you know, what are some of the qualities that you, you would say high performers normally have? Um, yeah. Because you've highlighted yeah. on one, which is like being able to adapt and being being ready to change. You've highlighted also on, um, you know, doing it over a long period of time, you know, being able to stay at the top and not just being like a, you know, a one song wonder, for example. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, just in my experience, it's been just the dedication to what I'm doing. Um, and when I look at some other personal friends of mine who in the last three or four years have succeeded in their businesses and 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 are currently succeeding extremely well, um, I, I sort of put it down to two people. There's two types of people in the world in my in my view. There's the uh, the employee and the employer. And the employer is the entrepreneurial one. And you've got to have a lot of determination. You need to have a very, very thick skin. You've got to have a supporting mechanism very close to you so your inner circle being family and um and advisors and, and certainly family 
Uh, and and I think that to be a high performer, um, to get to the top, you have to work hard, you have to train hard. Uh, to be in business, you do that. But when you get there, sometimes you might realise that, you know what, I might be number one now, but to move forward for the next few years, I don't need to be number one. I can drop back to number four, reinvent myself, and then in, in then maybe the five-year plan is to be number one again. I've probably done that three times in my 30 years, and I'm currently in a position now where, you know, I haven't aimed to be number one. I've consolidated, and yet financially I'm probably doing better than what I was eight or nine years ago when I strive to be number one in my industry. So I think, um, you know, they're also two, you know, big key qualities that you need to have um, and that I would classify as a as a high performer. And let's, you know, let's face it, you look at the bands and you want, you know, look at music for sure. Um, have a look at the bands that are currently touring now the world. You've got the Motley Crews, the Def Leppards, um, you know, the Rolling Stones has just released a new song. You know, they, these guys, you know, continue, but what they do is they continue to work hard and everyone might just see them on stage and think it's easy. I don't, I don't think it would be that easy for those guys whatsoever. There's massive financial risks for them all and, um, and you know, they have to reinvent themselves and that's that's probably the best thing that I could say is that a lot of times you have to reinvent yourself when you get to number one and you might need to take a back step for a few years or change direction, reinvent yourself, come back again and use your experience to get you there. And, of course, an employee can be a high performer as well. Like it's, you know, from the – 100%. Career-wise. Yeah, and, and don't mean that – and don't take that to the offence of anyone thinking, oh, that's, you know, it's that those two types of people. That is a fact, though. There is two types of people in my – that's just my view of the world. But there are many, many, many high performers that come under management that that um, is their role because they're focusing on that role. They don't have to focus on running a company. They don't have to focus on the financials. They don't have to focus on a lot of things. Um, there's a lot, a lot of high performing people that that are, are unbelievable managers. And and again, I know I know some people managers and business managers and business development managers and and very very good skilled people that are excellent in what they do. And, and again, they all have to work hard. They, they have to focus. And f- for those guys to get to the top and be at the top, you know, they need the respect and, and, uh, and, uh, of, of the people that are above them. And, uh, and once you've got that, you know, Ange Postacoglu, perfect example. He was just in an interview talking about, you know, his management at Tottenham, at Tottenham Hotspurs in England at the moment. And as he said, critical that his relationship with his chairman at every club is based on the respect that, that that they can give him, but he has to earn their respect. And and he works extremely hard to earn their respect. They allow him then to go and make decisions and they back him to make decisions, which then brings success. Now, he doesn't own the football club. He's an employee. Every manager is an employee. I have to work as a head coach in football clubs as an employee at every job, but I have to work hard to get the respect of the supporters and everyone and, and so I'm an employee there, and then in my own business world, I'm an employer. And as a head coach um, of a football team, you know, your your job, one of your many jobs is to get the best out of people and yes. to help people do better. And sometimes it's a mindset thing. I mean, one would argue it's 80% of the time a mindset thing, but what I want to ask you is how can someone work on these particular qualities of being a high performer? Because it could be someone listening to this that, yeah, they think they're a high performer, but they want to do better. There are some that 
don't really feel like they're performing as well as they should be and they want to be that person or they want to be the best yeah. version of themselves. Um, yeah. What is just, again, I'm sure there are hundreds of these things, but what are just some of the main things that you think that someone should really focus on, work on yeah. to, to, to get there? We'll start on the second one. The, the people that, you know, if anyone's out there listening now and, and you're in a position where you want to strive to get to the next level and, and, you, and, you, and you're working away no matter where you're at in that position, it's having the right people around you. I've, when I look back on my career, I didn't really realise that the people that were around me in football and in business who were much older than me, who gave me the time of day, uh, who I could shake the hand and be around, I look back when I was in my 20s and there was a number of key people that supported me and backed me and but the thing was I thrived off them. I made sure that that I surrounded myself with them. I wasn't hanging out with my mates and listening to what they had to say about the world. I, I used these guys as mentors. I only started to talk about the mentor world to me probably in the last 10 years um, because these guys are now, you know, 20 years older than me. I, I've just turned 53 last week. When I look back now and I look at these guys, they're 60 to 70, but that's who I was surrounding myself with all the time. And those people helped me dramatically. They opened doors. They backed me and supported me. So I would have said that if you're in that position now and you can find the people in your networks who you can look up to, uh, you know, I would suggest that that would be a very, very good key start. Now, the problem is, is that, you know, not all of us can afford to go and get business coaches and and have paid mentors to be around us. I, I certainly never could off, never did, and never really thought about that world. However, I've got some friends of mine now who have paid business coaches and and life coaches, and and they help them dramatically. They tell me all the time. Um, but I, I've tried that. Even in the last two years, I've tried that, and it's very expensive. And I tried it just recently. So I think identifying people that you can. Go and show some, you know, show plenty of respect to. They'll give you the respect back, and if you can get around those types of people, uh, you know, that'd be a big thing. Now, if you're already there and you think you're doing well and you're booming along, again, your networks are critical, and people that have been there and done it. If you can get around those people that are five, ten, fifteen, twenty years um, with more experience than you, and you can get into their little networks in their groups or become close to them just from feeding off those people in conversations and in, in just the way they handle things in my opinion is is critical it's like when I put I sign a 32 or 35 year old footballer and I bring the 17 year old and I build the team of average age of 19 20 21 23 I've always had experience with success by making sure that we've got those experienced players and having the young boys and the young players coming through the change rooms as I did. And I remember when I was 16 in a, in a senior environment, 15 and 16, I still remember to this day every key senior player that was in their 30s by face, by name, and you know what? They still know me as well. So it's the same in the business world. I've got mentors in the business world who are now in their 60s and 70s, uh, liquidators, lawyers, I don't work for them much anymore, I don't. but when I see them, if I'm in Melbourne and I see them, it's always acknowledgement and it's always hello and it's a coffee. Those relationships have never, ever changed. And without those relationships, I wouldn't be sitting where I am today. I like that you brought that up because um, I've talked about it 
plenty of times, and I think I recently did, very recently did an episode on this, but just the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people. And I always say, if you surround, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You know, it's a really famous saying, and it's something I always talk about because it's me personally, I've never been one that's been too embarrassed to ask for help. Um, You know, Mm. whether it's as an advisor, career wise, or just as a human being, if there's something I need help with, like I'm always one to sort of put my pride away um, and just ask for help. And, and to be honest with you, most people, when you ask for help, they're not really going to say no, like unless the person's really too busy. Most of us, unless they get, you know, a hundred requests a day, most people really appreciate the fact that somebody's gone out of the way and had the guts to say, Hey, listen, I really need help with this thing that you do really well. Do you mind giving me 10 minutes of your time or do you mind helping me out? And yeah. And even as a financial planner, like, you know, I talk about this in our profession a lot, but as advisors, we tell clients how important getting advice is. And we, we've obviously, we value advice. We know it's important, financial advice, but re- very rarely do we get advice ourselves, you know, whether it's business coaching or becoming a better advisor or just in general, because most people think, okay, they're, they're paying for something that they can probably do themselves. And I think Financial advice is probably the same. I talk to clients all the time, potential clients who've never had advice before. And initially they say, look, I've never thought I've needed it. But then after we talk, they're like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty cool. Like there's a lot more to this than I thought. And and yeah, I just oh. love that you talked about that because yeah, as a coach, you probably, uh, you know, I'm singing, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to the choir here. I'm preaching to the choir as well. Mm. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. But I think on your, in you know, and just for the people listening to your podcast, that, that the main thing about, you know, when we start talking about financials, it's not just about, you know, the money of making money or losing money or investing. In, it, it's making sure that their structure is well sound as well and, you know, if people are going into business, they need to make sure that they can talk to people like yourself where their home life is not set up in their business life. And now there's so many different areas of financial planning that I see where a lot of inexperienced people, you know, don't have themselves set up with their structures and and accountants and sometimes a lot of accountants, you know, they do their tax. That's what they focus on. So I think, again, you know, um, it, it, everything we, we can do now, a lot of what I'm finding is just in my, say, my industry, when I grew up, we didn't have internet. I've transitioned through running a business and owning a business from the very basic start of a computer to now having a very prominent online auction business where our auctions are now all online and goes to the world. And, and you can get a lot of information now by just jumping on your phone where I think I got my grounding because I actually had to pick up the phone. I would pick up the phone and ring senior valuers of other firms who were 10, 20 years older than me. And if I didn't understand something, I could ring them and I would always get the time of day. Now, I can tell you now in my industry, um, you know, I've been around, say, 37 years. I don't think I've had a younger valuer or a valuer call me in 10 years from any firm. And today we rely on data. We, we can get on and look at data and we can rely on things off the internet. The practical outcomes, though, that doesn't necessarily mean that 
what you're reading is the true picture of the matter that you're dealing with. So being able to pick up the phone or going to see someone still is 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 a major, major lesson that we can give our kids because I see now in younger people, I, I believe the respect world has changed dramatically. I, I and I think that the, the the kids now, especially you know, kids at high school and and maybe ten years older, now all rely on data and what they can pick up off the internet. But I still think it's very, very vital that the practical approach to being able to go to people and deal with people directly and 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 meet their mentors and be able to understand things in communication can help people be far more advanced than than say the people that can't communicate with people. I think that's very important. And why do you think a lot of people don't get advice? You know, do you think maybe they just think everyone's too busy for them? Um, yeah, do you think well, it's I think, pride? I think it's cost. I, I, I just know myself. I, I think that um, understanding who to go to directly and and you know to, and and be able to understand you know who 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 can they can talk to i think it's very important again this personal relationship i have personal relationships with with my advisors i, don't, I just don't talk to them every now and again I, you know i i see them i'll have a coffee with them and you know and, and it may be only two or three times a year but that personal relationship's been then built over many 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 years and uh, and and it's it's just critical that that you know we're not just becoming a, a society now where you know I, I I can get on the internet and become my own business advisor and my own you know we don't learn a lot you know as I said when you think back now and even as directors I look at directors of companies all the time you know I've had four jobs in today perfect example I've had four different jobs in today I had five in last week. Now, these are all businesses across many different landscapes, from cafes to scaffolding business, uh, an engineering business, an earth-moving um, civil works company. You know, I, I, I look at things and I think to myself all the time when I see the problems that a lot of people are in, you know, where did they get their advice and how, how was their advice before they got to this stage? Because you don't learn how to be a company a director anymore you, you can just go get a company they don't teach you that so unless you go to university and you're highly academic in the finance world well you, you're on your own really aren't you, you, you you're looking at your money and you're going okay i have to pay super so it just goes into whoever the super fund you get put into and you know a lot of people don't even have control over that so again i think you know you that you need to make sure that you can build that personal relationship with someone like yourself and and those personal relationships uh, by face-to-face and understanding and growing with that person over time can help you dramatically. And I look at all facets of my career, the speaking circuits, the sporting circuits, the business circuits, the financial world, um, all those people I have relationships with. I wouldn't be sitting here today if I didn't have those personal relationships with all those people. I'm sure of it. Are there any examples you can give as well? Um, anything that comes to mind, um, whether it was a team you were coaching or, or, or someone that you were were dealing with, where you know it's it took it took them having that that right person to just for that massive change to occur, for that significant impact yeah. on their lives to, to just happen. 
Yeah, definitely. Maybe um, something someone can just probably learn from listening to this because, I mean, yeah, me, yeah. I love examples. I love – I steal from examples. You know, yeah. I steal ideas from examples. It's it's the only way I, we grow. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the amount of people I've sat in front of now for the past probably 15 years where that – I've, I've had to sit in front of people in business who have just been told they've lost everything and, you know, they've got home life to worry about and, and all that sort of thing. And there's been a number of cases um, of people where I still have relationships with them, even though technically I'm there winding them up and taking their business and their assets and selling them. But I've, I've been able to become quite good at managing those situations and I've seen many people turn it around and... Sometimes you just have to sit there practically with people face-to-face and go, hey, listen, let's just draw some squares. And the biggest thing I can say to anyone going through any form of restructuring or just even in normal life, though, you know, you can you can go and write out some squares and put a line down the middle of your positives and negatives. And write your negatives down in different boxes and put your positives down. And all of a sudden you get a good picture of where you're at with things because – we bottle up so much stuff in our heads. You know, you've, if you think about, you know, what you go through in a day, how many emails you write and the complications you've got and then, you know, where you, where you are investing and where's your tax and how's life going, you've got the kids and you've got to do the groceries this week, all this sort of stuff. You know, I, I say to directors now, look, let's go back to the start. When you get up on Monday morning, what's the first thing do you think about and what's the first thing do you worry about? What's the first thing that you're responsible for that week? And no one ever answers the question correctly. You know, so I put it into a square and I said, well, when you get up Monday morning, um, the first thing is, is that, you, that your home life is a business. That's before you start. You have to have income and outgoings and you've got to start worrying about home first and then you, then you move off into work world or business world and start dealing with your squares there. And when you actually put it all down, it's actually quite complicated. A lot of people don't realise when you put it out of your head onto paper actually how complicated your day and your week and your months are. No matter, even if you're a mum, it doesn't matter. You, if, you know, there's, there's plenty of mums around that, that are at home that have to run a household and if they put it actually down into their squares, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that everyone has to do. So I try and look at it that way and I've sat there with many directors and gone through these squares and by the time we've had that half an hour conversation, they've got a smile on their face because it gives them some sort of direction in front of them on paper. And I've seen guys and there's a particular gent um, and um, they owned a very large earth-moving business and I went to his house. His house had just been emptied. Um, the removalists had taken everything out of the house. Um, I was there to repossess his boat. We had already started repossessing all these trucks and excavators and there's a lot of gear. And um, I sort of came quite close to this guy. He was very shaky and, you know, he wasn't in a good way. He was on all sorts of meds and massively depressed and whatever else. Um, And I'd put my arm around him and put my hand on his shoulder and walk him out of the house and I sort of – made him some contacts and some intros into some other people within that industry. Um, and that's now four years ago. I uh, helped him set up with another gent that went broke around the same time and I introduced them both together. I got them into a hotel and said, why don't you boys get together and get started on something yourselves? You've got the contacts. They're both you know, in their 50s. 
Uh, I received an email on LinkedIn about four weeks ago from this particular gentleman, and um, and he's told me that uh, they've just won a couple of major contracts. Thank you very, very much. If it wasn't for those directives and those simple squares, he wouldn't be where he is today. So really having someone come in from an outside and having the right person in their corner, um, giving them that direction, just help them sort of just look at things differently and you know, and have a different approach to things. And that's had a massive impact. I mean, it sounds like something I've seen. It sounds like, I mean, I can give examples with clients, similar thing financially, you know, just having Mm. someone come in from an outsider's perspective. And yeah. And and the thing is like the the more and more we're talking, the more I'm finding a a lot of the questions I'm asking the answer, not that it's the only answer, but it always ends up coming back to having the right person or the right people around you to help you make the right decisions. And hundred percent. 100%. 100%. And, and that environment that you're in as well. And, and you know, 100%. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, I've just gone through a bit of a life change and relationships and everything just recently. And one of the things I've had to do is, you know, I, I notice now, like, if I look at Facebook, for example, and the amount of stuff that keeps coming up about, you know, quotes and and all this stuff that, that, that comes through social media now where, you know, this stuff – gets into your, to your head and, and, and you, you're being directed by what you're seeing and what you're reading through social media. And I've had to start blocking. And, you know, I, I must have blocked 20 different sets of quotes in the last week alone of just things that come up through social media that have that, that actually distract you. And, and now I've just turned it off. And since I've, I've done that, I'm back to my own business model and my own plan and my own squares. And it's funny how I'm just purely now focusing on what I need to do every day and I've removed myself away from all that sort of type of, you know, income that's coming into your head. So, again, I think practicality, and I'm back to that word of practicality, is massively important in when you want to go somewhere and staying away from what's being put in front of you not by your choice, by what pops up in front of you um, is very important. And I think this personal relationship uh, model uh, and this face-to-face communication with the right people around you is is critical today as it was 50 years ago. The other thing I wanted to ask you now, and again, this, this honestly, I think you can, from both of your, you can come at this from both different perspectives. One as a you know business asset valuer, mm-hmm. um, and secondly as a head coach. But what what would you say are the biggest mistakes of high performers or, or people that are trying to succeed in, in things? And and what I just mean yep. by that is, yep. I'm sure you've met people, even you personally, but I'm sure you've met yep. people where they've they've done something's happened, whether it's a business that's shut down or they've made a decision, the outcome hasn't been great, and it all came back to this one particular decision or this one thing they did wrong or this there's this one thing that if they had changed or if they had done that one thing differently, think things would have turned out um, positive instead of negative. And it, yeah, yeah is, is there like a – again, I'm, I'm sure there are several of these, but is there just one that really sticks out of, you know, as something for us to be careful of, for me to be careful of, for those listening to this to be careful of moving forward, whether it's in business or career or relationships or, or life. Gut feeling. Without fail, I've, you know, I've had to sit there and think about this many, many times. Um, you know, when I started my business, I I took no advice from nobody. I, you know, I, I saw what I needed to achieve. I went and got a shelf company and I started knocking on doors of liquidators because I knew 
what I wanted to do. I knew what I needed to do and I knew I was good at what I was doing. And so I backed myself in in football and in sport, even when I was younger, you know, I, I always backed myself. I never had anyone give me anything for free or anyone come in and say, oh, you know, you're great at this and give me an opportunity. The, the opportunities came through, you know, proving myself to people and then a door would open, then a door would open. But I've learned over many years now that when I've trusted people and when I've listened to people and I've made decisions based on probably things where my gut feeling sort of went, you know, this is not right. And the amount of times I've kicked myself where I've gone back and said, I knew I was right and that was a bad decision. I, I would have said that, again, these five or six mentors, these five or six or seven people around me who who don't tell you what to do, they guide you and and they can give you an opinion or tap you on the shoulder and say, mate, I think you're going the wrong way here. Or, mate, you need to be careful here. Um, and then you make your decision. I think that's always been paramount for me. Uh, the thing that I was talking about before, like signing signing long-term leases and from a business point of view, you'd say, and your advisors will say, mate, you need to expand. You can expand here and you can go for it. People around you will, will want to follow you. But when it becomes tough and hard, those people will leave you. If you're on your own, they they will leave you. You can never guarantee that, that, that it's going to continue. And you know, you make those decisions. I, I sort of put it to my kids. I say, listen, there's two parts of a decision. There's one where you're standing at the line and you're going to go and do something. So the next part of that is the action. So, you know, if I decide to take a parcel from yourself, Michael, and you offer me a parcel that's on the table, I can look at that and go, oh, I want to accept it or I don't. And if my gut feeling says, you know what, that well, I make that action, there's a big risk here. Um, my gut feeling says that's a big risk. That's a risk that can affect me no matter what it is. So I choose not to take that. So I walk away f- at the line of decision-making. When you when you take the decision and you go and do the action and you know that it's a bad move and your gut feeling's telling you it's a bad move or that person's not the right person you want to be associating with or you know something's going on in your life where y- you know that the next move's a risk, uh, that's where I would have turned around and said in my life and from what I've learned um, would be the biggest key factor of advice that I'd have for anyone. I love that. And, and and to be honest, I talk to my clients about this when we talk about investing, when we talk about making decisions and and even me as a, as a business owner, I can relate to that as well because, yeah, following my gut has always most of the time worked out and not following my gut as well has sometimes led to regret. You know, yeah, and it's like whether it's a red flag that you sort of just ignore um, or whether it's just just listening to yourself. Going back to the red flags, again, going back to my squares of sitting down and looking at the positives and negatives before you make a decision, the positives and negatives of people around you. You know, you can can sit, doesn't matter. You, You can be in your home life, family life, your business life, business partners, you know, employees, you can, that, that, that simplicity of sitting down on your own and clearing your head and putting the negatives and positives before you go and make a decision the next day will help you dramatically. But if you're making decisions where, and, and you're sort of juggling it and you're a bit nervous, but, oh, you know, oh, look, I'm going to go for it, um, where 
when I make a decision, I go, I'm going for it. I'm not even waiting. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that that ball comes over the top and it's bouncing and and I know I'm going to have to make that tackle and someone's in my way, but no matter what, that ball cannot go through the line, boom, I'm gone and, and I'll make that and cop the consequences, you know. But if I hesitate because the referee now says, oh, if you make that tackle, I'm going to book you and can send you off, and then I hesitate, then the person goes through and scores the goal and we lose the game, you know. That's um, probably that's another easy way I break it down to that, but that might make sense. And it's sometimes it's just simplifying things, just literally just sort of stepping back and just looking at it in black and white and be like, okay, well, this is the situation. Like what you said, pros and cons. And yeah, um, well, here's, an, here's another way. Here's another couple of ways to look at things. And I have to say this to football players: I have a meeting tonight at seven o'clock with uh, 60, 70 players who I've never met before. You know, we come to sport today. And I'm sure many people at home are going to, you know, agree with this one. And maybe there's some people who won't. But the fact of the matter is, is that when we turn up today and we tell our eight, nine, and ten year olds, or seven year olds, and eleven and twelve year olds that when you're playing a competitive sporting game, and there's no winners and losers today because we don't want the kids who are losing, you know, getting upset because the other kids are winning and they're and they're singing a team song at the end. You know, how, how far this has gone out of the realm, it's not funny. And I'll give you a couple of different practical points here. But the fact of the matter is when you go down and play tennis, and I grew up playing tennis as well, and when you're playing against your opponent the other side, there's no not losing today. When you play tennis, you win or you lose. That's a fact. So what, do we play tennis now? We don't keep track of the score. We don't keep the games and we don't keep the sets. We just go out and hit against each other and go home. In tennis, it's winning or losing. It's competitive, right? So it's the same now as when we go to school. Back in our day, if you borrowed $5 off a kid in the line and that kid didn't pay you back the $5 in three or four days in the tuck shop, well, you'd go and have a bit of a wrestle with that kid to get your money back. And then when you went up to the principal and the whole story came out, you'd end up, the kid would end up getting the $5 back and you both would probably get into trouble. Today... You go up and borrow five dollars from a kid in the line, and he doesn't give you money back, and you try and get it back from him. You're the one who's going to get you know expelled. Hey, I remember back in the days, well, if you had five dollars, if, if you had five dollars in the tuck shop, you're a millionaire as well. well correct, yeah, it's things. probably a dollar or two. But but again, so now we we come into business today, and and now you know there are we're we're, we're coming up with different processes and reasons why people shouldn't have to pay people and the people who need to go and get their money back now legally just can't afford to do it. So we're creating a sort of culture and, and 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 as I said, it's the same as in sport. But the fact of the matter is is that when we play sport, it's winning and losing. And when we go to work, it's, you know, you go to work, you expect to get paid. You got to, It's failure and success in business. And it's the same when, you know, you're investing money as, as, as you are in your role. If you don't know what you're doing and you take a gamble and you invest and you're not well advised, and you lose it, well, you lose it. So, and if you make it, you make it. And that's that's where we sort of sit today. And again, we we'll come back to this practicality word of everything being practical. I still think that that you know, again, in everything I've learned, everything I've watched, um, you know, what you do as an individual comes back down to practical reality. And and if you can keep that simplicity and keep things practical, you know, you're a good chance to move forward. 
No, thanks, Terry. And and it's 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 been so good to to listen to your insight. And it's again, I love the fact that you've come at it from two different angles. Um, and yeah, and, and can I ask as well, Terry, if anybody wanted to get in contact with you um, or to follow some of your work after this, what would you say would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, certainly. Um, well, the the consulting valuation website is just globalvaluers.com.au. and that's probably the best um, bet. And then, um, yeah, certainly my email address is terry at globalvaluers.com.au. And, yeah, look, you know, I'm always available. The, the one thing that, that, you know, I've decided now in my time is to is to spend time and, and make time available where and where I can if people reach out to me for whatever reason. And, again, my contact base is very, very large. I've built a very, very large contact base over the years and, and if I can't help someone, I'm more than sure that I can send the send someone in the right direction. And then obviously too, it's 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 how Michael, you and I have met and it's how I'm on your show today. And again, it's through this referral networks of of contacts and and again, if we can all help each other, and sometimes, you know, it's not about referring people and having financial gain or it's not about referring someone and saying, Oh, that's that's you know, that I, I can't refer someone because it's got no benefit to me. I think that's, you know, if anyone has that attitude, uh, again, you know, they're very short-sighted on what they're doing and over the long term, I don't think it's going to help them. Where with me, I've learned that if I can help somebody in the community for any reason, just by hearing their story or hearing what they, you know, would like to try and find out, and if I can put someone into the right right area that can help them, then that's only going to benefit me down the track because they'll tell 10 other people, hey, listen, I spoke to this guy or I heard I'm on your show for an example and 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 that's only going to benefit us as we move forward. And I think that, um, you know, that's, again, a, a, a very, very positive move. Well said, Terry. And, and also I like to finish all my episodes off with a dad joke as well. Go for it. And actually this one's a pretty good one, but um, what's worse than raining cats and dogs? <laughs> Hailing taxis. Ah, very, very good. Well, you're probably right there. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. Like, I mean, honestly, like, I'll be honest with you. Compared to my other dad jokes, this one's actually up there. So, it's it's not bad. Hailing taxis. Anyway, no, look, I, I still remember a joke from grade two. It's the only one I've ever remembered. And you know what happened to the Irish jellyfish? What happened? It's set. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I've, I've known that since grade two. It's the only one I can ever remember. It's not bad. It's not bad. No, thank you, Terry. Terry, th- again, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Um, it's I've, I've learned a bit and um, I'm going to, in the description of this episode, I'm going to drop in your your website if people want it, yeah. to, people to contact you and um, learn more about what you do. And I can't wait to, to continue following your journey um, as a yeah. business owner and as a head coach as well. Yeah. Well, I'm at Yoronga Eagles Football Club. Um, this season, which is an El Salvadorian community-backed club. Um, there's players there from, you know, the different parts of Central and South America and, and some Australian players as well, but um, certainly a different culture for me, uh, and um, that's in Brisbane. So um, I've dropped down from the professional leagues to the more of an amateur league this year uh, and to help the community football club sort of grow to become a semi-professional club in the future. So you're on Eagles Football Club. If, uh, if you want to reach out and come down and watch some good football, please, if you're in Brisbane, come down and check us out. Done. I'll make sure I'll come and visit, actually. That'd be great. Appreciate it. Thanks, Terry. All right. Thank you, Michael. Cheers. 
Thanks for joining us on sharing more than the sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases and feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.